1: I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters and 5 a.m. here in your nation's capital, and here is your 5 at 5. Investors still digesting the Fed's latest policy decision, holding steady on rates, but hinting at an all-but-certain additional hike before year's end. Futures right now are in the red. The Fed not the only game in town, however, and global investors await the latest call from the Bank of England and decision from a host of other European central banks. Plus, the IPO rush looking more like a crawl after a muni debut for Klaviyo and Instacart set to resume its post-offering slide. Plus, progress in the 143-day-long strike by the Writers Guild of America. There are hopes of a deal today. And then later, Yellow's loss is FedEx's gain, With Sherriss at the spike at the open, it is Thursday, September the 21st, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I am Frank Holland coming to you live from CNBC's Washington, D.C. Bureau, the nation's capital, now at the center of attention for Wall Street from yesterday's Fed decision to a looming federal government shutdown. It is all happening right here. With that in mind, let's kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures after the Fed's decision yesterday to keep its rate-hiking campaign on hold, but still maintaining, the central bank still has a long way to go to reach its inflation targets. Looking at futures right now, solidly in the red. The Dow is like could open up almost 100 points lower than NASDAQ and the S&P, also lower than NASDAQ, the hardest hit, down more than a half a percent in the pre-market. We're also checking the bond market right now. Yields on the fives and the tens hitting their highest levels since 2007. Two's trading at their highest level since 2006, and in energy, specifically oil. We're seeing a pullback, a so pullback a bit from that $90 mark right now for WTI. Right now at about 88.5, uh, Brent crude, a similar story, moving a bit lower right now, um, you know, impacted by those rate hikes by the, uh, the Fed here in the United States. Natural gas ticking up almost a half a percent higher. We're also checking the overseas action right now. Asia closing lower with Japan, South Korea, and Hong Kong losing more than 1% apiece. The Nikkei, the hardest hit, down almost 1.5%. Europe following Asia's lead, lower as well right now in the pre-market. We're seeing the CAC, the hardest hit, down more than 1%. We have much more on the global story coming up later in this hour. But first, Wall Street really still digesting the Fed's latest monetary policy decision where they held interest rates steady at 22-year highs, but, and it's a big but, indicated the potential for another hike before the end of this year. Interest rate traders tracked by the CME, they're now pricing in a 28 percent chance of a 25 basis point hike in November and a 40 percent chance of a hike in December. Chair Jay Powell yesterday really tempering expectations for two more pauses before the end of this year.
2: The fact that we decided to maintain the policy rate at this meeting doesn't mean that we've decided that we have or have not at this time reached uh, that 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 stance of monetary policy that we're seeking. If you looked at the SEP, as you, as you obviously will have done, you will see that a majority of participants believe that it is more likely than not that we will, that it will be appropriate for us to raise rates one more time in the two remaining meetings this year.
1: All right, let's talk all about all of this and what it means for the markets and for your money with Jay Woods, Chief Global Strategist at Freedom Capital Markets, and Janet Moy, Head of Market Analysis at RBC Bruin-Dolphin. Great to have you both here. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. All right, Jay, I'm going to start off with you. Uh, It doesn't look like the market's priced in the idea of another hike later this year. I know a lot of people thought we were going to just see the end of the rate hiking cycle. Does this change your view of the markets from now into the year end? Uh,
3: It gets me a little more cautious, to be quite honest with you. Um, And, uh, you know, carefully was his word of the day yesterday. And uh, he didn't say anything alarming. The alarming thing to me was the dot plot and the projections going forward? Um, you know, right now the June projection is for rates to be over five percent. Where last dot plot six months ago it was four point six percent. So we're we're talking higher for longer, and then the spikes in the twos and the tens. The the fact that they're staying at these levels uh, that that's troublesome. And then let's throw in headlines
1: and uh, you know your September headwinds, and it, it could be a rough few weeks here. So, Janet, same question for you. Um, a bit of a surprise to the market. It's clearly a shock. I'm looking at the Dow right now down almost 100 points in the, in the pre-market. And the Nasdaq, the hardest hit, down more than a half a percent. Has this just thrown out what everybody thought the end of the year was going to look like? Or do you still believe that uh, this rally can continue?
0: Uh, so I uh, agree with Jay. I think we have been cautious on our equity positioning because we, we are of the view that the Fed will keep interest rates higher for longer. So I think uh, the dot plot definitely uh, validates that. And uh, in, in fact I'm a bit uh, surprised by um, the fact that they took two rate cuts out of uh, next uh, next year and the next as well so I think I think it is just a confirmation that we are going to see higher for longer interest rate and as such it will put more pressure on the economy eventually I know that the economy is still resilient but I think there are a number of to risk factor that is materializing and I think that higher for longer rates just put more pressure up there in 2024.
1: So, Jay, back over to you. Um, one of the big takeaways from yesterday was the idea that the, the neutral rate, the so-called neutral rate, might change from basically 2.5% now to 3%. Does that really just change your longer-term view of the markets? I know both of you advise clients, and generally we, we have a lot of long-term investors in the markets. Does that change your long-term outlook?
3: No, it doesn't really change my long-term outlook. It just changes where you want to focus on, uh, you know, putting money to work right now. I think the consumer staples are probably a safer play right now. You look at the sectors that have started to rally. And if you're a little skittish, staples and utilities have finally lifted their head. They have a lot to reverse. And there are some stocks within those sectors that are, you know, one, beaten down. So you can look at like a, a General Mills, which reported yesterday, a Hershey's, a Conagra, a Kellogg that have something to reverse, are at nice little support areas and pay a dividend. Or you can go to the strength in that sector, like a Procter & Gamble, a Constellation, a Costco, which reports next week. So I I don't think it's going to change my overall narrative on the market. I think tech has had a nice run, and it will be affected. It will pull back. I don't think it's going to be drastic. But um, I I don't think we're going to see the rise that we've seen in in the first half of 2023 continue uh, into
1: 2024. So, Jay, I do want to ask you about this consumer Staples play. You're, you're saying it's about dividends, but when we see bond yields this elevated, doesn't that give a lot of competition to dividend paying stocks? And then, do you believe that Staples will have more pricing power? Is that part of the thesis?
3: Well, it, it sure does. I mean, yes, you, you have options uh, to, to put money away into safer plays. And, and my focus is always on equities. So, when, when I'm talking about where you want to go, where you want to rotate into, right now, At this time, I think that's where you want to be. Overall, no, I'm not worried that the market is going to, you know, be beaten down dramatically. I just think uh, that, you know, the run that we had, is on pause and uh, we always focus on the magnificent seven uh, you, you ask you know we ask about it all the time and it's, that's all people want to talk about I, I think that that is going to be affected by this more than anything i i think some of those staples
1: those boring stocks if you will uh <laughs> that'll be the safer play yeah i think i think the markets have had a lot of excitement just with the idea of higher for longer so janet i want to ask you um chasing a buying opportunity when it comes to staples are there certain sectors that you think now are more attractive now that we're in this higher for longer environment?
0: Yeah, I do think so. I think it's important to diversify your portfolio. And I think in this higher for longer interest rates, I think there is a case for bonds. And aside from that, um, because, uh, we saw that there's so much energy price volatility and we think it is still going to be with us for a while because supply is still pretty tight and energy sector is still trading at a deep discount versus to the broader market. So in a higher for longer interest rate environment, you may want to own some low duration assets as a hedge. And I think the energy sector could be a good uh, hedge for your portfolio when you have uh, other areas in your portfolio that are exposed to uh, high high growth uh, uh, and high duration, for example.
1: All right, Jay, coming back to you. Jay Powell made it pretty clear the outlook for cuts has changed dramatically. Do you still believe that we're going to see cuts next year?
3: Yeah, I I think we're going to see cuts next year. The the one thing I was actually concerned about was the need to cut so soon. Uh, That would kind of throw off his narrative that uh, they've been getting this soft landing. All of a sudden, something changed and we have to cut rates quickly. Um, I like the pause. I'd like to continue to see a pause. Uh, Him go carefully, as he said, digest the data, and then, you know, cut first quarter, uh, end of first quarter next year. That would be kind of that nice, soft landing ideal scenario. Um, You know, the higher for longer, it's, it's going to really stunt uh, a lot of these high-growth names, uh, that, and that's the concern. And that's why I think you have to rotate. And I believe energy is a great sector to be in. It's been the hottest sector the last
1: three months, and uh, I don't see anything slowing that down either. Yeah, Jay, to your point, again, the NASDAQ, the hardest hit in the pre-market, at least, down more than half a percent So, Janet, over to you. Um, do you still believe that we're going to see a cut next year um, and just in general, Just this whole thesis about what's going to happen, it's changed. Has it dramatically changed for you as well?
0: Well, I think that the thing is, when we see a cut by the time, we probably have seen a recession already, because I think the Fed will be reluctant to cut at uh, the first sign of economic weakness. Um, So I think, unfortunately, the risk of a recession is still pretty high, actually, in 2024. Oh, really? Um, So I think that... That doesn't change our view of a cautious stance on our risk positioning and on the macro economy in general. Um, so I, I think we, we just have to keep our cautious stance. And we currently have a preference over bonds, particularly uh, UK bonds uh, at the shorter end of the um, okay. charity side. Uh, we'll get the Bank of England uh, decision soon. So we'll see uh, how, how that uh, play out.
1: So, Jan, just to be clear, you say you, you want to continue being cautious So did you always believe there was a solid chance of a recession next year? Or do you think that the chance of recession has just increased dramatically because of this?
3: No, I don't think that at all. What, what what I think is, you know, we've had some great times, and we're just having a natural pullback. And uh, as far as equities go, uh, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button. I just think that rotational theme continues. Um, if we break 4,200 in the S and P 500, I'll come back, and I, I you're going to hear a different tune from me. Uh, right now, we we have digested a great run here in this market. We're seeing tech slow down. We're seeing other sectors lift that normally will lift. Uh, financials are getting a bit of a lift as well. People don't talk about that. Uh, stocks like Visa and MasterCard uh, look tremendous to me. So I still think there are opportunities in equities. I just think there's a normal pullback. I think with uh, one pause and maybe another quarter point okay. hike, that could lead us a
1: little higher at the end of the year. So I'm not too concerned. All right. Jay Woods, Jan Amore, great to have you both here, especially on a day like this. Again, the Fed saying higher for longer. Thank you both for your time. Thank you. All right. Time now for checking some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Sylvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana, good morning.
4: Hey, Frank, good morning to you. All right, let's kick things off with a developing story and one 143 days in the making. Sources tell CNBC writers and producers are nearing an agreement to end the Writers Guild of America strike after face to face meetings yesterday. According to people close to the talks, both sides are set to meet again today to finalize a deal. But if they fail to do so, sources say the strike could last through the end of the year. Sticking with labor talks, General Motors says it has idled an assembly plant in Kansas City and laid off 2,000 workers blaming, quote, negative ripple effects from UAW workers striking at its Wentzville, Missouri plant three hours away. The move by GM follows similar ones from Ford and Stellantis since the strikes began Friday. Now, this, as Stellantis delivered a new proposal to the UAW yesterday, one union leaders are still reviewing. Detroit's big three have until noon tomorrow to make, quote, serious progress before the UAW expands walkouts. And shares of FedEx are popping in the pre-market up almost 5%. Now, the company topping EPS estimates and raising its full-year forecast forecast Despite what executives expect will be a muted peak holiday season, FedEx attributing ongoing cost-cutting efforts, including a merger between its express and ground units, as a key driver for its boost to margins. CEO Raj Subramanian adding the company is well-positioned to continue delivering improved profitability as it becomes more flexible, efficient and data-driven, right?
1: We're going to talk a lot more about FedEx later in the show. Silvana, we'll see you later in the show as well. Thank you very much. All right, we've got a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, why global investors are looking to more than just the Fed when it comes to rate-sensitive sectors. We have a check from our friends over in Europe coming up. Plus, the IPO rush looking more like a crawl right now, apparently pushing investor appetites for new stock to its limit. And then later in the show, Disney's new direction. When it comes to dealing in the, quote, culture wars, we have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns live in D.C.
5: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. What does it mean to be rich?
0: Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
1: All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange in D.C. The Federal Reserve, not the only game in town when it comes to central bank decisions over in Europe. They're actually calling it Super Thursday when it comes to rig calls. We've already got three this morning. We're waiting on one more. Our Jamana is in our London newsroom with a look. Jamana.
6: That's it, Frank. We've got Super Thursday today, lots of central bank decisions to get through. As So far, let me just recap what we've got. The Swedish Riksbank and Norway's Norges Bank both delivered 25 basis point hikes in line with expectations. But the Swiss National Bank surprised markets and kept rates where they were at 1.75%. And, of course, those three decisions come ahead of the big one coming up at 12 o'clock local time. That is the Bank of England decision uh, with money markets split on what to expect. And of course, yesterday was a key determinant of what the Bank of England are going to do because we had that UK inflation data surprise to the downside. All of a sudden, the market started dialing back, their, dialing back their expectations of what the Bank of England may do today. The market is now 50-50 on whether they go for a 25 basis point hike. But you can see the reaction as far as equities are concerned, with the exception of the Swiss index, of course, the S&B held steady. Uh, all of these indices are trading underwater, taking their cue from Wall Street price action yesterday. The FTSE 100 obviously in focus ahead of the Bank of England, down six tenths of a percent. Carte 40 in France down 1.2 percent. Luxury coming under some selling pressure. FTSE MIB also selling off as well. In terms of Asian markets, this was the price action in Asia. All of these indices under the water, too, Hang Seng down 1.3%. Shanghai down 0.8 percent. So, again, uh, taking inspiration from the price action that we had on Wall Street, some of the uh, hawkish interpretation of the Fed decision yesterday, the Nikkei also down 1.4. We are seeing some of the uh, major chip makers come off in trading today, also keeping a close eye on ARM and its secondary market performance. That's having an impact on some of those tech stocks in the Nikkei. And don't forget, Frank, we're not fully done with this uh, super week for central bank decisions we also have the Bank of Japan decision tomorrow as well, and they may surprise hawkishly, too. So we're keeping a close eye.
1: Yeah, certainly a lot to watch there when it comes to central banks. Our Jamana Berset, live in our London newsroom. Jamana, thank you very much. All right, let's stick with the global picture and head over to Frankfurt, where Annetta Weissbach just wrapped up an exclusive interview with the CEO of one of the largest banks in Germany. Anetta, good morning. What do we know and what's the mood over there?
7: Well, actually, the mood, I have to say, is split the big banks, such as Commerzbank and Deutsche Bank. They're actually faring quite well, given the higher interest rate environment. So, for example, Commerzbank shares are up by more than 23% since a year's time. But at the same time, we have the fintechs here on the ground as well, which play an increasingly dominant role as well in the German financial sector. And they actually do complain that there's a lack of funds, a lack of financing. And that puts them into, into a worse situation than, for example, their U.S. peers, where still money is available. So I would say the mood is rather sober, and also the outlook is not great. The Bafin, the financial watchdog... The President was warning that the next coming years will be tough for the banking industry. They need to invest a lot of money into IT, into digitalization, but also to make their house sound against cyber attacks, especially from Russia. So it's a very mixed picture, I have to say. And on top of that comes the economy here in Germany, which is very challenging. We're talking about this being a sick man of Europe once again. And that was also a topic I... Tackled with the Commerzbank CEO exclusively. Perhaps we take a listen of what he thinks. How bad the situation is. But I still believe into the power of the German economy and the German SMEs. So we are very resilient, and and there will be a way out. And uh, I think by no doubt, the situation is by no doubt challenging but it's not hopeless, and I think we have the energy and and, and power to find a solution. So what he's calling for is another act or regulatory or stability pact from the German government. They need to enact uh, tougher or better rules for energy, but also for digitalization, in order to prevent that German economy is falling behind all other major industrialized nations.
1: Anetta, Annetta, thank you very much. Our Annetta Weissbach, live over thank in Frankfurt. You. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, Bernstein's going to lay out the bull case for FedEx after its latest earnings beat. But first, a look at a, today's big retail number. It's a new segment here on Worldwide Exchange. Today's number, 4%. That's the increase in consumer spending over the last year. Bank of America says it's hard to see a U.S. recession as the great American consumer just keeps spending and spending. Got much more worldwide exchange coming back right after this. Stay with us.
5: From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive.
1: All right. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It's time now for your big money movers. That's three stock stories of the morning. We're going to start off with shares of Clavio under pressure following their modest debut on the New York Stock Exchange yesterday. The saw it open 22 percent higher before ending the day with a nine percent gain. Clavio priced 19.2 million shares at 30 bucks apiece on Tuesday, valuing that company at just over nine billion dollars. Those shares down two percent in the pre-market. We're going to stick with the IPO train. Shares of Instacart continuing in their post-offering slide. The stock closing down nearly 11 percent yesterday after very modest gains in Monday's Nasdaq debut. The stock is now trading below its IPO price of $30 a share. Right now, Instacart down one and a half percent. And shares of KB Home are lower, despite reporting results that topped Wall Street estimates, hiking its revenue forecast for the year and reporting steady demand in the face of rising mortgage rates. However, Even with these pre-market losses right now, those shares down more than two percent. KB Home shares are still up more than 49 percent this year. All right, let's get a check on some of this morning's headlines outside the world of the markets and your money. NBC's Jessica Layton's in New York with the very latest. Jessica, good morning.
8: Hey, Frank, good morning to you. The president of Ukraine is heading to the nation's capital today ahead of his meeting with President Biden at the White House. This afternoon, Vladimir Zelensky will first meet with Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and other members of the Senate at the Capitol. Both parties will confront the issue of continued U.S. support for Ukraine as the war with Russia is entering its 19th month. The Biden administration is urging Congress to approve more military aid for Ukraine. Well, well, as COVID cases rise, free at-home tests will be available to you once again. Next week, you can start ordering four free rapid tests per household. The website covidtest.gov will reopen on September 25th. And USA Gymnastics announcing Simone Biles is on the team to compete in the world championships in Belgium next month. It is the sixth world championship selection for Biles, which is the most ever for an American woman. Now, worlds are held every year, except when the Olympics are held. And by the way, Biles did tell the Today Show earlier this month that she is aiming for Paris in 2024. And I know our fingers are crossed for her. Frank, back to you.
1: Absolutely. That's an exciting return if I've ever heard of one. Jessica, great to see you. All right. Straight ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, Alexa gets just a little bit smarter as Amazon brings generative AI to its smart home product suite, and join us for Delivering Alpha on September 28th in New York City with investors and leaders coming together to provide insight, ideas, and analysis to help you balance risk with maximized returns. Scan the QR code or visit cnbcevents.com slash Delivering Alpha to sign up. I'll be there. I hope to see you there. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming up after this. It's right around 5.30 a.m. here in Washington, 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area, and there's still just a lot more ahead here in Worldwide Exchange. Take a look. Here's what's still on deck. Higher for longer. Fed Chair Jerome Powell signaling a careful approach to central bank's interest rate strategy with less easing likely for next year. Not giving up. Speaker McCarthy bowing to lock in critical votes needed to pass a bill to temporarily fund the government with just days before the deadline. We have the very latest out of D.C. in just a moment. And shares of FedEx getting a pop on the back of poorly results as the shipping giant capitalizes on recent struggles by its rivals. It's Thursday, September the 21st, 2023, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I am Frank Holland coming to you live from CNBC's Washington, D.C. bureau and what's really become the center of attention for Wall Street from yesterday's Fed decision to a looming federal government shutdown. It is all happening right here. So with that in mind, let's pick up a half an hour with the check on U.S. stock futures. After the Fed's decision to pause its rate hiking campaign for now, taking a look at futures under pressure, the Dow looking like it'll open up about 100 points lower than Nasdaq, the hardest hit, down more than a half a percent in the pre-market. Chairman Jerome Powell stressing the central bank still has a long way to go in its fight against inflation.
2: Inflation has moderated somewhat since the middle of last year, and longer-term inflation expectations appear to remain well anchored. Nevertheless, the, progress, the process of getting inflation sustainably down to 2 percent has a long way to go. The majority of participants believe that it is more likely than not that, we will, that it will be appropriate for us to raise rates one more time in the two remaining meetings this year.
1: And now taking a look at the bond market on the back of that Fed decision, looking at the yields on the fives and the tens, hitting their highest level since 2007. The twos trading at their highest level since 2006. We also want to look at energy, specifically oil right now, under a bit of pressure after the Fed indicated higher for longer. Uh, WTI, the U.S. benchmark right now at 88.81, down almost 1%. Similar story for Brent crude at 92, basically 65 a barrel. Natural gas just fractionally higher right now. All right, let's get a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana.
4: Hey, Frank. Well, Disney CEO is vowing the company plans to, quote, quiet the noise around the culture war that has pitted the company against political leaders. That statement by Bob Iger coming as part of an analyst report from Needham. Disney previously found itself caught in a battle with Florida and its governor, Ron DeSantis, over the state's rules on schools teaching sexual orientation and gender. That has grown into a fight over Disney's development of property around its Florida theme park. Meanwhile, MGM Resorts says its hotels and casinos are mostly back to normal operations more than a week after a cyber attack disrupted its systems. The company says it's still working to resolve issues at its luxury Excalibur Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas with digital keys and mobile check-in at MGM Hotels still unavailable. The company says it will issue physical keys to the guest for the time being. And Toshiba's more than 70-year run as a publicly traded company Coming to an end. The company confirming shareholders have approved the $13.5 billion buyout offer from private equity fund Japan Industrial Partners. Toshiba is set to be delisted as early as December, Frank.
1: All right, Silvana, thank you very much. Our yeah. Silvana Hanao back at our headquarters. All right, now turning our attention to the latest on a fight for a deal to fund the federal government. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy bowing to continue his effort to persuade his Republican colleagues to get a bill done with just over a week to do so. Our Emily Wilkins joins us now with the very latest on McCarthy's push. Emily, good morning.
9: Good morning, Frank. Well, Republicans did made some progress last night on a plan to fund the government, but with 10 days left to negotiate, Congress does seem to be on track for a shutdown at this point. Under the new plan, lawmakers would spend $1.53 trillion to fund the government next year, a reduction from levels that Republicans and Democrats had agreed to earlier this summer. A short-term spending bill, that one that will probably go to October 31st, that would reduce spending even further and include border security provisions while creating a commission to deal with the growing debt. Now, while the new agreement has switched some opponents to supporters, it is still not clear that this measure has enough votes to pass the House. And it definitely can't pass in the Senate, and there's not much more time to really negotiate something that can be approved by both chambers. Congressman Andy Barr told reporters last night that his party is going to be focused on negotiating over spending cuts and border security.
2: What people really want to do is reduce spending, um, and uh, and send a border security bill uh in, in in the interim while we continue to work on the on the uh on the
8: appropriations.
9: Further complicating the debate around government funding is the debate over whether or not to give additional aid to Ukraine. Remember, the White House requested that Congress allocate more than $40 billion? And Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is on the Hill today to meet with lawmakers. But, Frank, it's just not clear at this point whether he's actually going to be getting the funding that he's requesting.
1: Yeah, it's also not clear if we're going to get a, a deal done to fund the federal government. Emily, the clock's really ticking. What should we expect today?
9: So today, we're actually going to see a vote again on the Department of Defense. Remember, there was that procedural rule on Tuesday. McCarthy put it on the floor. And then a number of his own Republicans blocked progress from moving forward. Uh, Lawmakers last night said they'd come to an agreement on that. But look, Frank, that is the long-term spending bill. Right now, the question is very much on the short term, because there's no way really at this point to get that long-term deal done. So the question is, can they get something agreed to basically by midnight of October 1st? Otherwise, we are going to go into a shutdown.
1: All right, Emily, thank you very much. Our Emily Wilkins, live in D.C., All right, time now for another one of your big money movers. Of course, we're talking FedEx. Shares popping in the pre-market almost 5% higher after the company beat on EPS and it raised its full-year guidance despite a slump in revenue. FedEx benefiting from broader industry headwinds, including the UPS and Teamsters negotiations and the bankruptcy of trucking company Yellow, also doubling down on its cost-cutting efforts. The company is in the process of merging its ground and express units in in order to save approximately $4 billion dollars and also lead to a boost in margins. CEO Raj Shubhamanian sounding very optimistic about the restructuring plans, telling shareholders FedEx has raised the bottom line despite lower revenue expectations because FedEx is expecting a muted holiday season. Joining me now for a deeper dive into the quarter is David Vernon, Senior Transportation Research Analyst at Bernstein. Dave, good morning. Great to have you here. Hey, good morning, Frank. Thanks for having me. All right, so as we mentioned, stocks up in the pre-market, up about 5% right now. Uh, What was your take on what you heard? Did it change your rating or your price target for FedEx?
10: Uh, We did take our price target up largely based on the strength of uh, their ground results. Um, You know, there's a lot of talk in the headlines about how FedEx benefited from share take from UPS and the yellow bankruptcy. But in the aggregate, revenues were pretty weak. Volumes were at best flat in their ground segment. And they really delivered 400 basis points of margin expansion without the volume needed to drive operating leverage. What we think is happening there is they're getting their hands around the cost structure. Inflation and in, uh, their purchase services line is starting to moderate a little bit. Truck rates are a little bit cheaper. And they're really being able to kind of capture some of the uh, pricing gains and drop that right down to the bottom line. So it was really a great quarter for FedEx.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, a really huge beat when it came to margin for the ground division. It was 8.5% a year ago, and then they boosted it above 13% this year. So dramatic improvement. Overall margin improvement. Was this also a read on their transformation effort and their cost-cutting effort? Did you believe this gave you more insight, this margin improvement?
10: Well, it certainly, um, it certainly points them in the right direction as far as kind of near-term results. Um, you know, the, the full-term, longer-term integration of the businesses is a multi-year story. I think what this is right now is the company really focusing on execution ahead of the merger of some of the back office and then the ultimate physical integration which they are doing a little bit at the margin right now maybe 20 25 markets from what we understand in our back channel checks um, that's giving them some some benefits but i think that 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 full integration benefit is really kind of a two to three year story right now i think this okay. is just about the company getting back to basics putting in some 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 cost controls and getting their arms around uh, the, 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 the productivity
1: metrics after what was a very destabilizing COVID period for the company. All right. I want to ask you about something you seem to, to minimize a bit. Um, the business wins from UPS during the Teamster negotiations, also the business, I guess, gains from Yellow's bankruptcy. Um, these numbers are pretty eye-popping. 400,000 packages a day from UPS, 5,000 loads from Yellow. Um, you're saying it's not that big of a deal, but I want to ask you this. Do you think it's sustainable? Do you think they hold on to that business long-term?
10: Well, I think I think I I think it is a, re, a big deal, but at the end of the day, this is a cyclical company, and ground volumes in the aggregate were up maybe point maybe twenty basis points. So the the, the volume coming over didn't really drive the outperformance on the margin side. It was really execution and cost control on the on the on the um, okay. in the ground business. Their cost per piece was down two percent. The first time it's been down in probably four or five years. And their revenue per piece went up 2%, so that drove your, your, your 400 basis points of margin gain. So I don't necessarily think it was – it certainly didn't hurt them. But I think what's right. more important about the FedEx story here is this is a business where they're taking structural costs out at a very, very weak point in the freight cycle. And what that's going to mean as the freight cycle starts to improve, the bar for operating leverage is going to be even lower. That's going to amplify the upside to earnings in the, next, um, in the next freight cycle, and I think it's a really good setup for the stock.
1: All right. So FedEx says they believe it's going to be a muted holiday season. We're just showing the stock a minute ago. FedEx shares up more than 50 percent year to date, far outperforming UPS. Uh, What's your outlook for the rest of the year when it comes to FedEx's stock and the competition between UPS? And also, do you believe we might see another raise in guidance? A, A number of analysts are speculating that we could see another raise before the end of this fiscal year. Yeah, look, management
10: has 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 had some false starts in the past around setting big targets and then having to reset them. I think they're doing the right thing here. They're taking the win. They did raise some of their variable comps, so that's going to offset some of the, the, the benefit for the full year. But I think they're by raising the lower end of the bar or lower end of the guidance range for the first for, for during the first quarter, that gives them room later in the year to raise based on the strength of that ground margin. If they can continue to drive a couple hundred basis points of margin improvement year over year, even in a weaker holiday season, I think you will see that uh, number move up. We took our number up to about nineteen and a quarter which is a full 75 cents ahead of the top end of the range that they laid out. Um, I think they're being conservative. They're being cautious because they don't need to put a big number out there. The, the results kind of speak for themselves. And I think the, 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 the quality of that margin gain and ground is what's going to gain investors'
1: attention. You know, point noted that this, this company's seen quite a few twists and turns. You and I were both in Memphis for uh, Ross Romanian's first investor day after he took over. And there's been a lot of going on since then. Dave mm-hmm. Vernon, it's always great to see you. Thank you. Coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, it's not just the Fed. The other key central bank decisions taking place around the world this morning. But first, we're going to head to break, or before we head to break, we have your top trending stories. Okay. It may not be the sunshine state, but it is shining bright in other ways. Utah, ranking as the happiest state in America on WalletHub's annual list, tracking emotional and physical well-being, work environment, and community Running out that top five, Hawaii, Maryland, Minnesota, and New Jersey, with West Virginia landing at the bottom of the list. Amazon Alexa is getting a big-time makeover and becoming much smarter. The company unveiling a smarter and more conversational version of the voice assistant, powered by generative AI. What else? Alexa will now have a more human-like voice that can hold more natural conversations while learning about users with each unique interaction. And McDonald's is turning up the heat for a limited time only. It's bringing back the fan favorite spicy chicken McNuggets at participating stores, those McNuggets. They made their debut back in 2020 and have returned every year on a limited basis to rule what many call the goat of the McNugget kingdom. I don't know who calls it that. Uh, we're back in just a moment. Stay with me. Right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. We start with Deutsche Bank upgrading Five Nines rating to a buy. It says the software company's momentum from recent booking strength and a favorable backdrop for cloud contact center spend is likely to reaccelerate revenue growth. DA Davidson raising its price target on Shopify to 73 bucks per share, citing its investment in Klaviyo. The firm says that target reflects the increased liquidity of that position and the value of Shopify's strategic option in customer engagement. Those shares down 1 percent right now. And the stock story of the morning, of course, that's FedEx, UBS raising its price target on the stock to 323 dollars per share on the back of earnings. UBS says the runway remains attractive for FedEx, and upside in Q1 point to margin potential or margin expansion. Uh, Shares of FedEx up almost 5%. All right, time now for your global briefing. We mentioned those central bank decisions. The Bank of England set to hand down its latest rate decision in just over an hour from now. The central banks expected a halted string of rate hikes, Following fresh data revealing a surprise drop in inflation, there, some more central bank policy moves out of Europe this morning. Sweden's central bank hiked interest rates for the eighth consecutive time, taking its key rate to four percent. That's in line with expectations, and the Swiss National Bank keeping its interest rate unchanged at 1.75 percent as inflation shows signs of easing in that country. This is the SNB's first pause since March of 2022. And Chinese EV maker Neo getting into the smartphone business. CEO William Lee telling CNBC the company expects at least half of its users to buy the new device, which were developed to work with its vehicles and will cost around $900 to $1,000. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have the one word that every investor needs to know today and why our next guest says it may be a slog for the foreseeable future for the markets. Because we had to break, CNBC is celebrating Hispanic heritage. Sharing the stories of influential Hispanic business leaders, here is MSCI CEO, Henry Fernandez. When so I
10: first came to the United States in the mid 70s, I felt very strongly that to succeed in this country, I needed to think like I belong in the country. Uh, that, uh, that everyone else, one way or another was An immigrant or a descendant of an immigrant and i was not different than that you're part of this uh, fabric of, of society and success that attitude that mindset is what helped me succeed despite any odds in any any part of the career that i've had
1: Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap up. We begin with sources telling CNBC writers and producers are nearing an agreement to end the Writers Guild of America strike after face-to-face meetings yesterday. According to people close to the talks, both sides are set to meet again today to finalize the deal. General Motors says it has idled an assembly plant in Kansas City and laid off 2,000 workers, blaming, quote, negative ripple effects from UAW workers striking at its Wentzville, Missouri plant just three hours away. This is delivered a new proposal to the UAW yesterday, one union leaders are still reviewing. Shares of Clavio under pressure following their modest debut on the New York Stock Exchange yesterday. That saw it open 22 percent higher before ending the day with a 9 percent gain. We're going to stick with the IPO train. Shares of Instacart continuing their post-offering slide. The stock closing down nearly 11 percent yesterday after very modest gains in Monday's Mo- uh, NASDAQ debut. The stock is now trading below its IPO price of $30 a share. Rounding out the latest on the batch of IPOs, shares of Arm Holdings are closing in on their debut price of $51 after falling more than 19% since their first day of trading just a week ago. And Reuters reports, Vietnam, Vietnamese EV maker Vinfast is set to ship off its first batch of cars to Europe this year after receiving regulatory approval. This coming as Europe continues to investigate Chinese EV makers over state subsidies and unfair pricing strategies. Here's what to watch today on the economic front. We get initial jobless claims and existing home sales figures. We also get results from Darden restaurants before the open and the Bank of England handing down its latest rate decision at 7 a.m. Eastern Meanwhile, the Bank of Japan kicks off its latest two-day policy meeting today. And be sure to catch my first on CNBC interview with Palantir CEO Alex Karp this morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. A lot to talk about, including that Schumer AI meeting. All right, as we gear up for the trading day ahead, markets continue to digest. Fed Chairman Jay Powell's post-policy decision comments pointing to rates staying higher for longer. Powell saying the Fed must be cautious moving forward with Double Line Capital CEO and CIO Jeffrey Gunlock. Telling CNBC yesterday, the central bank is navigating new hurdles in the fight against inflation.
2: Given how far we have come, we are in a position to proceed carefully as we assess the incoming data and the evolving outlook and risks. Real interest rates now are well above mainstream estimates of the neutral policy rate.
1: A lot of cross currents right now in the economy, I kind of see it in a transition. And the data is extremely non-reliable right now because all of these distortions from the government money and now the payback of and and now the, the drawdown in those excess savings, now the payback of loans. And now we have these strikes showing up. So we have cross currents regarding the inflation situation. All right. So for more on this and the training ahead, let's bring in Kevin Simpson, founder and CIO at Capital Wealth Planning. Kevin, good morning. Great to have you here. Hey, Frank, how are you? I want to get your take on what Jay Powell had to say and also what Jeffrey Gunlock had to say. Are you also concerned about these cross currents and do you also believe that the data isn't as reliable right now? Well, I
11: I definitely agree with Jeffrey's comments yesterday and I brought you the word of the day, which is stalled because I really feel like markets, broadly speaking, have been stalled. We are stalled and we will continue to be stalled for the foreseeable future for, for all of the reasons that were discussed yesterday. You know, we have to continue to navigate what is now a stalled, range-bound market. And, and yesterday's narrative from the Fed did very little to change that. You know, we're not going from QT automatically to QE. There's lots of headwinds, there's lots of cross currents, and I think we need to be prepared for a market that's going to be more choppy, broadly speaking, and, and not going straight up because we had this amazing dovish, uh, you know, Fed speak.
1: All right. So you agree with the bond king. One thing that's not stalled are bond yields. Elevator right now. In your mind, will that continue to put pressure on the equity markets? Are there certain sectors, especially today, that you think will be under pressure? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we've seen it. I don't think yesterday's news or where bond
11: yields are is going to change that thesis very much. You know, we're seeing bond yields that we haven't witnessed since 2006, 2007. But I think it presents a lot of opportunities, Frank. You know, we're talking about markets that have been very bifurcated, like unlike anything we've seen since 2009 or 1999, where you have these years where a certain segment of the market does really, really well and, and, and the rest of it really thinking about companies that are a little bit more boring, blue chip, aristocrat type companies that haven't participated. So I think for the trading angle, you know, you take some profits from the tech environment where you've done so well. And now you can reallocate into that more boring dividend segment. And for the first time in a long time, you can also allocate to fixed income and bonds. So I
1: think investors should look at it as an opportunity, not necessarily a massive headwind. All right. Gotcha. I want to talk about uh, where you would put money to work today. It's an ETF, NOBL. It's dividend focused. I want to ask you the same question I asked earlier. Aren't these rising bond yields? Aren't they competition for dividend paying stocks right now?
11: Yeah, I I like the aristocrat space. I like Devo. I like all of the high dividend payers. You know, there was a time when investors were looking at high yielding stocks as a bond proxy, and clearly that's off the table. And you've got uh, pressure when you've got yields going up on high dividend stocks. What I'm talking about, Frank, are companies that are increasing their dividends. So you're not looking for high yield. You're looking for an inflationary hedge of companies that have been increasing dividends. So if you look at the aristocrats, and this is a good ETF are probably only up, you know, four, four and a half percent on the year. But these are companies that have consistently increased their dividends for 25 years. So you've got growth there. Devo that I manage the same way, looking for dividend growth. Here's the, okay. here's the reason I like it, it's, and it's compelling. And granted, periods Wait, Kevin, of
1: underperform. I hate to cut you off, but we got to get going. Um, your pick, NOBL, also Devo at ETFU manage. Thank you very much for insight. Always great to see you. A quick look at futures right now. Under pressure uh, before the open, the Dow looks like it could open up about 100 points lower, the Nasdaq down a half a percent. Squawk Box up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can
5: always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway,